Hi, this is Pastor Tim, and I'm always encouraged to hear what God is doing in your life. Now, if you have a story or a testimony to share regarding a miracle, please let me know at story at citylifefw.org. That's story at citylifefw.org. Hey, I'm looking forward to hearing your personal story soon. Welcome to the City Life Podcast. We're all about making Jesus known. We pray these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus, who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. I'd like for you to get your notes and your Bibles out. If you have a Bible or Bible app, I want you to be able to follow along. And I want you to open up your Bibles to Mark chapter number 10, verse 46. And Isaiah 61, 7. It's a lot of info, so it's up on the screens for you to look at. And it, hold that one in Mark 10, 46 first. And then later in the message, I'll be going over to Isaiah 61. Catch both of those places and bookmark them. Launch Sunday, as I shared, is just two Sundays away. In fact, the banner that's right behind me, this is the last Sunday you're going to see it behind me. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to have it down because we'll be getting ready to put it up on the building while you're in church. So if you hear people walking around up on the roof and all that kind of stuff and <laughs> hammering all that, that's good. That's a good thing because they'll be putting that banner out next Sunday during church to let everybody know about the new service times, which we'll, we will be launching on the 10th. So we'll be doing a full-blown promotion uh, beginning next Sunday on that. And uh, the truth is, though, I look at that. I even look at that. I thought, man, you know, God has brought us so far. Uh, and it's only been through tenacity and grace and hard work and prayers and diligence and faith mixed with a whole lot of love and generosity uh, that's let us come this far. But I still believe this, what I've said since the beginning, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. You know, the truth is so many times when you're on a journey of building a local church uh, there's this temptation. Maybe you, you, you don't see it, don't know it because I don't ever tell you about it, but I'll tell you about it now. Sometimes you just get this temptation just to throw in the towel and give up. It's like, God, this is too hard. But, but one thing I, God helped me with before I ever, ever even got going with this is that uh, I've, I learned how to never let thoughts like that take root. Um, because here's the truth. I know the vision God put in my heart and I know it's from God. And it compels me to press forward. And so I have learned a, to cast down negative thoughts and replace them with truth from God's word, which is what I train you in all the time. And I challenge you with this because it not only works for me, but this works for you in every area of your life. And in fact, that's actually how miracles take place. And... Uh, the truth is, this church truly is a miracle. It is. Uh, like the scriptures say, a church is kind of like a garden. A local church is like a garden. Uh, we plant and we water, which means you get your hands dirty and you sweat and you, you, you toil and sometimes you do a lot and you don't see any results. And, and, but, but it says God and only God is the one who brings the increase. But we keep planting, we keep watering, and God eventually brings increase. But thing is, if you quit laboring, you quit planting, you quit watering, you don't open up another service when you're getting beginning to max out, you know, what happens is the garden then becomes full of weeds, it dries up, and then there is no increase. And so this, a church is a lot like a garden, but your life is as well. And as a church, if we settle into apathy, we will regress. If you, as a spiritual being, if you settle into apathy, you will regress. And um, 
That's when we just have to truly say, I will not settle for less. I will not settle for less than the garden of my dreams. And that's what you need to pray for. I will not settle for less than the, than the garden of the dreams that God put in my heart back when I was 30, when I was 20 years old. And I believe when you press forward, you will see that harvest miracle. Speaking of miracles, that's what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about miracles. My message title is this, not settling for less. Not settling for less. Who in this world wants to just settle for less and just coast through life? No, you wouldn't even be here today if that's you. So I want you to listen up because God has a miracle in store for you. And I just want to say, I don't want you to settle for less because I'm not going to. This week, a long-term city lifer called me up for prayer, and uh, I wasn't quite sure what it was about, but he explained in a lot of detail about a huge jam he was in. I was aware of it already, but uh, this was the big day. God needed to show up in a big way at that day at a particular time to work a miracle. And he had explained that uh, he had not even asked for a miracle up to that point, but today he needed a real genuine miracle. Uh, Explained that this miracle would be a critical crossroads for his life, really. And if there was no miracle, uh, his life would be severely, severely altered. So we prayed specifically together for a miracle. We believed for something that was, this is important, it was not logical and it was not reasonable in the natural joined with spiritual agreement with him. And we decided we're not settling for less than a miracle. I I just even refused on my end. Like, even over the phone, I'm not going to let doubt even enter into my mind. I'm going to look for that good report. Later on that day, he reported to me really this inexplicable nature. You can't even explain it. Of a huge miracle that truly only God could pull off. And today, that that, that, that inspired me even this past week to share this message with you today because God is a God of miracles and your miracle is waiting. So don't you dare settle for less. Don't you settle for those those negative circumstances. Don't cave into those feelings of, of depression and hopelessness. Don't give in to those emotions and those thoughts that tell you, well, you're just not good enough for a miracle. God has miracles in store for someone else. Some of you need today, you're going to learn to not listen to the naysayers who are around you. And they might mean well, but what they're doing is they're saying stuff to you that is sucking the faith right out of you. But I'm here to say, your miracle is waiting. But why do we not see miracles happening the way we want to or expect to? Is that a question we can ask? You better believe it. Um, But just take a step back. You're sitting in a miracle right now, this church. What everyone else said was impossible came into being. And the sheer nature that you're sitting in this room right now should actually inject faith into your system. Yet still, miracles don't happen far too often. And why? Well, let's take a look at it. Uh, James chapter four, verse two gives us a clue on this. And you've all heard the statement. You, you already know this. You probably haven't memorized. Don't even know you have it memorized, but it's 100% truth. James chapter uh, four, verse two says, you don't have because you do not ask God. 
You don't have because you don't ask. That's all right. You mostly have that memorized. That's not just some cute saying. That is the word of God. The biggest reason why people are not, this is the biggest reason why people are not seeing miracles because you're not even asking God in the first place. You're just kind of thinking about it. <laughs> it's like, it's like you don't want to bother him because, you know, God's too busy with uh, border security or God's too busy with what's happening over there in Europe or, or God, God's, God's really, really busy taking care of situations and, you know, in, in some of the companies in town and with uh, some of the other churches. Of, no, no. God cares about your situation right here and right now. That's truth. You need to ask. But then again, the scripture goes in a little more detail and it gives another reason why we don't see prayers answered. And I want us to take a look at that because verse three says this, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. In other words, you're going to take what God gives you and then you're just, you just really want to just to expend it, throw it back out so it'll make you feel good and, and, and do it for yourself. Spend it on your pleasures. And I do want you to think about that. Here, here's a good, here are a couple of good illustrations on this. It's a prayer like this. God, I need to receive $10,000 more in 2019 because I want to go to more clubs and I want to go to more concerts this year. Come on, God. Come through for me, please. Now, what's God going to say to that according to the scripture? I, no, you know. I'm going to put that somewhere else. That's all about pleasure, you see? Um, or how about this one? This is a little more fun. Uh, God, 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 I need a Tesla. <laughs> because I will feel so important when I, and, and I will always, I promise you, I'll always park it right in front of my house so all my friends will say, that guy's cool. I'll drive up next to people, they won't even hear me. I will be cool. What's God going to say to that? Well, of course he's going to say no. Now, on the flip side, there's nothing wrong with asking God for $10,000. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. There is not. Nor is, there, nor is there anything wrong with asking God for a car or even a Tesla. The question is, what is your motivation? That's what's important. Why do you want it? And that actually may be a reason why you're not receiving the miracle. But... And I can preach on that, and I think a lot of preachers can preach on this, and some take this little part, and they just preach all about it, and, and then everybody feels like every kind of prayer is wrong motives, but, but you know what? I think it's better to be a good steward of the Word of God. I, I went to college, and they taught me how to do this right. Somebody told me, oh, Pastor Tim, you look collegiate today. Well, I'm going to tell you some stuff I learned in college. <laughs> you, need, <laughs> you, need to look, you need to look at the context, because the real truth is found in the context. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I give you these scripture passages. That's one of the reasons why I tell you to look stuff up in the Bible a lot too, is because I want you to see where it falls and see what's in front of it and behind it, because that's where you see what's really there. And so we're going to do this. We're going to do this today. And I want us to look in James chapter four, but we're going to start in verse one, because you're going to find something out is that the problem here is that there were, James is writing to these people that had a bunch of relationship problems and their relationship problems were actually the result of them. That, that was actually why they were not seeing miracles. So I want you to look at James 4, 1. It's from the Passion Translation because I really like how they bring this to life. It'll be on the screens for you. Look at it. It says, James 4, 1, what is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you as you fight to have your own way to fulfill your own desires. <laughs> you jealously want what others have 
so you begin to see yourself as better than others. And then you scheme with envy and you harm others to selfishly obtain what you crave. That's why you quarrel and fight, church. (laughs) That's what he's saying to them. And here's where the rest kicks in. And all the time, you don't obtain what you want because you won't even ask God for it. And if you ask, you won't receive it because you're asking with corrupt motives, seeking only to fulfill your own selfish desires. Okay, so that brings it into context. What's it saying? Here? Why is there strife? Why is there turmoil? Why are there conflicts? Why is there quarreling? It's this. It's because you see something you want. Now, it, it might be a possession. It might be a boyfriend. It might be a talent. It might be a physical trait. It might be a job. I, I, I don't know what it is. But you try to make it happen on your own. You don't ask God for it. You begin to try to ask God. Ask, you just try to make it happen on your own, but then it doesn't happen. And so then you start to get upset with the person. That's what it says. You start to get upset with the person what he or she, regarding what he or she already has. You become jealous and envious of those people. And then you, be, then you have this inner turmoil that's going on that keeps stirring up in your heart against the other person and relationships go bad. I, I really believe this, that wherever you see a lot of strife and turmoil and conflict, conflicts and quarreling, you will see an environment where people have turned God off and they have settled for less in their lives. I believe that. They've settled for striving and for envy, and that gets you nowhere. Uh, They've settled into jealousy and personal scheming. And so much of our culture is built on that. And God, God won't have any part of that. So basically, you're just kind of like left out on your own to try to get what you don't have, and you're just going to get more and more frustrated and angry at everybody in the world. And what God is saying here is stop that behavior. Just, just, God's saying, just, just, just stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Instead of being angry and vengeful toward other people regarding what they have and you want, stop it. What you need to do is quit looking at them and just simply ask God for what you need. Duh, duh. I mean, God says, ask for me. God wants you to ask. God wants you to ask big. God wants you to ask bold. And you should not settle for less. But if you're asking for purely selfish reasons, there may be a reason why your prayers are not getting answered. Maybe if he doesn't give it to you, it's possible that he even has something better in mind and you just haven't figured out how to pray for that yet. Really, to break it down, there's some basic reasons why prayers don't get answered. I just want to hit it real quick. One is that you're just, you, you're just greedy for stuff and you're, you want what somebody else have. And so you're full of envying and you're a person who argues a lot and you fight and you strive all the time. That's one. Another one is, is that you're not even asking God in the first place, which tends to be the bigger one. A third would be this, is that when you're asking, it's only for selfish pleasure. It's just, just for yourself to spend it on yourself. Uh, number four, fourth reason, which isn't covered in this passage, is that really God has something better for you. So he's going, no, I can't answer that because I've got something better for you. And a fifth reason would be God's just wanted to say, you know what? I want to do something in you before I answer this prayer, before it actually comes into being. For example, like with me, God planted this in my heart when I was 20 years old, <laughs> but God had me wait 25 years before I was ready to move forward. God had to do things in me. Really, what the message is with all of this is just do not settle for less than what God has put in your heart. I want you to learn to today to ask God with bold faith. So here's the question. What miracle do you need from God? I mean, like specifically, what is the miracle you need from God and can you put it in a sentence form? Maybe a word. 
And now I want you to take that and be bold with it and ask God for it. But you got to keep asking. You got to keep praying. You got to keep believing. And even if you don't see it happening in front of you, even if you have to wait 25 years, you keep it going. See, because your miracle is waiting. Don't you dare settle for less. Now, look in your Bibles in Mark chapter number 10, verse 46. And this is a story of a man who would not settle for less uh, than, than just this full-blown miracle from God. You see, Jesus' disciples, they were traveling from city to city, and they were, uh, they were doing their, their, their crusades and their, their rallies. And we pick up in this story in Mark chapter 10, verse 46, that they had come to Jericho. And Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, Here's where it happens. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus. And just because it says Tim, it has nothing to do with me, all right? When I was in college, you know, like, like all these other pastor people, future pastor people started learning the Bible. and Like, oh, there's Timaeus in those. Hey, are you Timaeus? And people call me Timaeus. I'm like, stop it. I'm not Bartimaeus' dad, okay? I'm Tim. Tim Woody. So that's not me. Just to make it clear. He was sitting, Bartimaeus was sitting by the roadside begging. And why was he doing that? Well, that's, if you were going to, he couldn't work. Um, he was blind. He couldn't work. There was nothing, all he could do was try to collect money. He was dressed up as a beggar so people could very clearly see who he was. People didn't like him. He had no relationships. He had no way of making money for himself. He couldn't even find his way around. Physically, he was probably zapped. No wonder he was sitting. <laughs> Think about it. He was in a bad, bad situation. Now, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, me. And many rebuked him. Oh, I like that. That's good. Many rebuked him. And not just one or two people, but a lot of people. Rebu I mean, rebuke is a strong word. Many people rebuked him and told him, you need to be quiet. <laughs> I like this. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. And he said, call him. He didn't talk to Bartimaeus. He actually talked to the people that were being mean to him. Call him. <laughs> so they called to the blind man. Well, cheer up, get on your feet, because he's calling you. <laughs> so throwing his beggar's cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him, and that's what he's asking you today. Do you know what you would say? What's your miracle? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. One sentence, clear, to the point. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. Now, flip over to Isaiah 61, verse 7. We'll look at that in just a second because that's a follow-up scripture. Now, Bartimaeus was healed because he asked. There were no selfish reasons at all in this. No prayer for healing. No prayer for provision is ever selfish. Don't you let the enemy tell you that, all right? And he persisted. Uh, even when other people told him, you just need to shut up. He refused to let their lack of faith and their negative attitudes and their poor social skills cancel out his miracle. 
He kept on crying out louder and louder and louder. And I love it because Jesus made the same crowd that was condemning him to reach back out to him. You see, it's like Jesus made the naysayers in the crowd start saying words of faith to begin to shift the whole atmosphere. That's why you want to be around atmospheres of faith, not around atmospheres of naysayers. And I'm just telling you guys, I don't want any of you to ever be one of those guys. And it's so easy to slip into it. Don't be the person who condemns or quietly squashes another person um, because they're going through a rough patch. Some of you need to take inventory, even consider who you've been pushing down. Consider who you've been ignoring and start reaching back out to them. See, miracles actually hang in the balance for them and for you as well. For some of you, maybe that's just God's word for you for today. But really, when it comes to your miracles, to what lengths are you really willing to go to obtain that miracle? I mean, are you going to be willing to cry out to God when other people mock you and tell you to shut up? Are you willing to go forward with that even when the culture and religious pressure will tell you, well, miracles aren't very real? Bartimaeus, he didn't just sit there and think, oh, well, if it's God's will for me to be healed, then Jesus will just walk over here and he's going to notice me and he's going to call me out by my first and last name, inserting my middle initial because I need that sign from God. And and then he's going to just spit on the mean people around me and then he's going to heal my eyes. No, he didn't wait for a sign. God was there. He cried out for the miracle and he fought for his miracle. Did you know the faith without action is dead? He took action. He he wasn't thinking about a miracle. He was taking action on it. Are you willing to cry out for your miracle? Are you? What are you willing to personally do for that miracle? Faith without action is dead. You got to do something too. You don't just pray. You do something. You got to do something. Are you willing to cry out for a miracle for your marriage? If so, then what are you personally willing to do in your marriage for your marriage? Are you willing to cry out for a miracle on that job? Then what are you willing to personally do on that job for the miracle? Are you willing to cry out for a miracle for your children? What are you willing to personally do for your children? Are you willing to cry out for a miracle for your income? What are you willing to personally do to generate more income? Are you willing to cry out for God for your emotional healing? What are you willing to do on your end for greater emotional health? Are you willing to cry out to God for more spiritual gifts to be active in your life? What are you personally doing with the gifts of the Spirit that he's already given you? Are you willing to cry out for a miracle for your personal health? What are you willing to do to improve and enhance your health right now? See, faith always has to be accompanied by action. But remember this, your miracle is waiting. Don't you dare settle for less. Yesterday, McDaniel, Yubi, we just call him Yubi around here. He passed away. He's with Jesus now. And um, UB is a three-time cancer survivor. And cancer didn't take his life, but an infection did. Uh, most of you know UB as one of the most positive and optimistic people, if you got to know him. So many of you have 
let me know that he's one of the first people who greeted you when you came to this church, made you feel so comfortable. He just made everybody feel good. Some didn't know that he has fought and fought and fought all his life. But just three months ago, it was so interesting, UB made this post on social media, and I want you to take a look at it. Look at that. He's there with Tara, and he says, I've been blessed to share more birthdays than I deserve. And I dedicate my bonus time. No, wait, what's bonus time? That doesn't mean time off. That means that it's a miracle that he's alive. Every breath is bonus time. He says, I dedicate my bonus time to others fighting for more birthdays. This is on his 31st birthday right here. This is the strongest, healthiest, and happiest I have ever been. My, what joy and optimism. What a servant he is. I mean, this man had overcome huge odds to be where he was. Yubi even started his own nonprofit. It was called I Luke Out to help other cancer patients. You know, he was even providing scholarships for cancer patients. All of this from a man who not only survived cancer himself, but whose parents are from Nigeria. He was born in Alabama. His parents, mother still Nigeria. He has no family in the U.S. He was raised in Alabama by a kind lady, hoping he could get a a start here in the United States on his own as a citizen. Lived in poverty. And Yubi was a strong follower of Jesus Christ. Almost two years ago, he was deemed cancer-free, and he credited that healing to the prayers of you, City Life family. Do you know that? He credited it to you and to the Word of God. On June 14th of 2017, uh, Yubi gave me this Bible. You've never seen it before because I've never brought it in here. And I almost brought it in right after I got it, but I felt strange. I felt the Holy Spirit saying, just wait. There's a right time. And I've kept this on my desk and on my shelf for almost two years. Today I bring it out. I want to read to you what he wrote me. When he presented me with this Bible, he said, Pastor Tim, I wholeheartedly thank you and the church members for your thoughts and prayers during my battle with cancer earlier this year. The prayers worked efficiently. And I'm now able to move on with life. Subsequently, I have been motivated to attain this Bible so that someone who might be in a similar health situation will see it and be encouraged. I like what he says next. He says, I know this Bible is pretty heavy. <laughs> it is. But he says, but there's nothing light about the word of God, is there, Pastor? You see, it's unwise to fight without the word of God as our sword and shield. 
we, we take that from one of the biggest fighters I've ever known. He says, I hope this Bible brings enlightenment and even entertainment and energy to fight whatever troubles whomever might be facing. Um, I'm going to take this Bible and place it over on our communion table right over here. And uh, Colby, will you just take it and just go ahead and put it over there now? But I just want this to sit on the communion table. I've, I've written inside just a little bit of his story in the front cover with an explanation of what that Bible stands for. When you go and take communion, like you, we would do at that table, asking for God's healing. I want you to see that Bible. Just let it be a visual point of knowing that God does heal. And then on the other hand, I have to say, well, why did God call you me home? Well, I just have to say I believe that he had finished his race. And it's time for someone else to now carry his banner of faith and love and generosity. As Tara was stating to me yesterday, she just said, City Life was Yubi's family, literally, literally. She's made it clear so many times that also, as I'm sniffling on the other end of the phone, that she said, he doesn't want people to be crying because he passed away. He said he made that really clear. He wants everybody just to be happy, 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 because he's with Jesus. You mean, that was a man of incredible hope. It's like hope was chained to him. Almost like that song we sang earlier saying, Jesus, you won't let me go. Wherever he went, whatever he did, he bled with hope. I love it because God speaks of this. He tells his people in Zechariah 9, 12, he said, return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. I believe God is saying today to go to your place of hope which is your fortress. It's the place where you are safe with the people of God. I believe that to be, for us, it's the local church. The place where you cannot get free from hope. This, my friend, is a fortress of hope. And you, (laughs) you can walk out of here, but you're still a prisoner of hope. (laughs) And I'm asking you, will you dare to believe double God said he will restore twice as much to you. Will you, with hope, believe for your miracle right here in the fortress, right here? Will you now begin to cry out to God for your miracle? Will you believe that God will even do double of what you're asking? I want you to begin to push back your negative thoughts. Let go of those words that people have spoken over you. And remember this is the enemy. He only wants to shame you in the area that God wants to use you the most. He wants to tell you, oh, yo, you're not good enough. And the enemy wants to keep you bound up. He wants you to keep wearing that old dingy cloak like Bartimaeus had. And, and when, when Jesus called him out, i tell you what Bartimaeus did. He got rid of that beggar's cloak and threw it off because that was his former identification as a beggar because he's going to be healed. He's going to have a job. He's going to have friends. He's going to start moving on with his life. He's going to have a place to live. 
And for some of you today, you need to throw off your old dingy cloak. Get rid of it because it's a new day. Now look at Isaiah chapter 61, verse 7. This is why I had you turn here. Look at this. You see, this is about jettisoning your old identity that holds you back. Let go of that shame that's holding you back. It's now time for your double blessing, you prisoners of hope. God says this. Instead, this is good. God's, this is really good. Instead of your shame, <laughs> you will receive a double portion instead of dis- grace, you will rejoice in your inheritance and you will inherit a double portion where in your land and everlasting joy will be yours everlasting. Underline that, highlight it, come on, take pictures of it, memorize it, live it, love it, don't settle for less than what's in this passage right here. Own that. Your shame is a sham. (laughs) Dare to believe God for double. God will do exceedingly abundantly more than what you can even ask in this room or imagine. And it's time for you to believe like never before for miracles because your miracle is waiting. Don't settle for less. Like there would be no movement at this time. Will you please close your eyes and focus internally? Maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life completely to Jesus or possibly you've drifted from relationship with God. And if you want to know the Jesus that I preach about and talk about here, you want a new beginning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond by lifting your hand, knowing this is that Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. He died for you so that you can have life. And today, today, today is your opportunity to live like never before. If you want to be included in my closing prayer and surrender your life completely to Jesus, then when I count to three, I want you to lift your hand so I can see it and I can connect my faith with yours. Will you do so? One, two, three. Raise your hand so I can connect my faith with yours. Yes. Who else? Yes. Yes. Who else? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Put your hands down. If you lifted your hand, I want you to pray these words with me. Church, congregation, believers, I want you to pray it with me as an encouragement to those who are praying it. Please stand. Please stand, everyone around this room. If you lifted your hand, stand up as well. Come on, I want you to, I want you to pray these words. Dear Jesus, come on, say it with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you're the son of God. Please forgive my sins. It's time for me to live. So I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. Thank you for new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's message. You know, City Life Church, we are all about developing followers of Jesus who influence and shape culture. And it's possible that you are even feeling a a shift that is coming in your life, or possibly deep down inside you feel called to something more. And City Life might be a part of that future. Let me tell you, Launch Sunday is the big event that's coming up, and it's happening on February 10th, 2019. And if you'd really like to be a part of what God is doing in downtown Fort Worth through City Life Church, I'm asking you to go and visit our website at citylifefw.org and click the launch button. Uh, You can also just come and visit one of our services because I I really believe the future is bright and it's limitless in potential. I want you to hear my vision. I want you to be a part of what God is doing at City Life and come and chat with me personally after one of the services.